You are listening to the Over and Back Podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. Hey, hey, NBA fans. Welcome once again to the Over and Back Podcast. It is Sunday, February 24th, and it is good to be with you guys. I'm Jason Corbis, and I'm here, as always, with Mr. R.J. Benner. Yes, indeedy. Hey, we are just here again to talk to you guys about NBA topics and just random news from around the world, including other sports and entertainment. So, hey, what do you say we just go ahead and get started and get into the news this week, huh? Yeah, definitely, man. I got, I'm, I'm fired up on a few of these things. I'm fired up a few. <laughs> I'm sure I can guess which one you want to talk about first. Yeah, man. So, so uh, 10 years ago, right? 12, no, a little bit more than that now. Yeah, 15 it, years ago. Oh, my gosh. Been been 15 years ago, uh, LeBron James enters the NBA. He's the last kid to, to be allowed. Well, he wasn't specifically the last kid, but his class was the last class to he, jump straight from the NBA he was to the, the last. He was the last one, last one that mattered from high school, you know? R.I.P. Robert Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, uh, David Stern, in his aggressive, oppressive ways, decided that uh, uh, these grown men who can go fight in a war shouldn't be allowed to join the NBA without having to go serve uh, some college that they're not even going to attend. They're not going to play anything but basketball for three months and then disappear. Well, let's go ahead and pretend and ruin the college game, too, by forcing these kids to show up for six months or three months even. That was the worst part of it is I was a huge college college basketball fan, and now it's come to the point where... I don't even want to follow it because guys that you would normally track for three or four years, you know, three used to be considered leaving pretty early. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's I get one year of it, and these programs never get a chance to really fully develop and get to their full potential. So it's disappointing. Too. You say one year. Here's the messed up part, man. These kids nowadays, they understand this is a money game. You don't even get a full season out of them. Bull, bull. He didn't need to shut it down for the entire year. He got hurt, and he was like, "Yeah, I ain't taking a risk." Mm-hmm. I, I take it. That's my money you're playing with. So yeah. I'm done. Yeah, what nine games for the Ducks? That's it. Hyped everybody in Oregon. Just well, and anybody that's not a football fan and they're a basketball fan. So the ten, the ten of us in Oregon that actually like basketball instead of football, we're hyped, man. Like, hey, we actually have a stud coming to play basketball. And unless you caught him in one of those early on games, you weren't. Uh, yeah, you know, we were uh, we were actually going to buy tickets ourselves, and then that happens, and it's like, well, we're not going to see him again until. Until fall runs uh, runs its course, and we'll see where he gets drafted. Do we even want to watch that team? Right? No, it's it, true. So, our new commissioner, Mr. Silver himself, uh, he, he's really done, uh, in my opinion, he's done a lot to kind of better the game. And one of the things they're finally addressing is this NBA age limit. So, uh, a proposal has been sent off to the NBA Players Association president, I cannot remember her name, uh, to review about removing the restriction and allowing 18 year olds to jump into the pros again. So, Obviously, I am a huge fan of this. I, I think that, you know what? Let the kid make that decision for himself. Kid, he's 18. Let, let that 18-year-old make a decision for himself. But you, you don't think so. Well, it's, it's, it's a little different than that. I do believe that they should have the opportunity to do that. I'm not against 18-year-olds coming straight into the league. My problem also, one, lies within ruining college basketball. Two, it's... <clears throat> excuse me. It's not... It's not fair sometimes to throw a kid that is going to be immature in these situations and for them to expect certain things out of them. Now, whether it be, uh, you know, one of the the biggest cases too of uh, of a, a franchise getting hurt is 
the wizards deciding to draft no one other than small hands small hands himself 611 <laughs> t- t- tiny hands Kwame Brown uh, you know again he's a great looking high school prospect he had everything going for him scoring rebounding defense the only problem is is there was an immaturity he never had a chance for a game to develop and yeah you know what he he ended up becoming a fairly serviceable role player as the years kind of went by but the thing that it's also doing is it is making these franchises take gambles on kids who just aren't ready they see potential that never has a chance to be fulfilled and it you know these decisions hurt franchises down the road and i i think that you know the more the more these kids get a chance to actually go to school and develop the better prospects will get now I don't have any problem with a kid going straight to the to the pros. My only concern, really, is uh, franchises being more likely to get busts. The good thing about it, though, is there will be more matured players like there was back in the day. More guys staying in for maybe two or three years, you know, so they get a chance to develop their game. And we've noticed guys like Kyle Kuzma, who was a, a, a top a top rookie last year, you know. Well, he spent three years in school. Uh, he was not ready at 18, mm-hmm. but he had time to mature his game to because he wasn't even that great of a scorer his first couple of years in college. Even in his third year, he finally had, you know, a certain level of maturity and was able to develop his game under good, solid college coaching. And you know, it can be beneficial. So I agree in the fact that not everybody's ready to go to the pros, right? And I think that when you look at the early 2000s, when you had uh, when you had LeBron in that class, you can even compare that. LeBron James, did he need any college to be LeBron James? No. no. He was he was going to be who he was going to be. Mm-hmm. That year of college wouldn't have done anything. Did Dwayne Wade need his, what, three years in Marquette to be who Dwayne Wade became? I think so. Mm-hmm. He needed that tutelage. He needed... Uh, the ability to, to, to grow into whatever role he was going to be because he wasn't even on anybody's radar till that right, junior absolutely. season. Uh, I think that I think that's still a, a really valuable purpose for college. I'd say don't stop a Kevin Durant, right? Like Kevin Durant could have went straight into the pros. Uh, don't stop somebody like that. Don't stop these like Zion. Don't stop these amazing players from being able to jump straight into the pros just because there's Robert Swifts and Kwame Browns and Jonathan Benders and all these other people who wash out. Because honestly. Where'd Joe Smith go? He went to college, right? He still washed out. Yeah. So, no, so it's always a gamble, right? So it's always a gamble, and you you can wreck your franchise one way or another, um, regardless if the person has three months of college versus no months of college. So the system that it is now is even more broken before. What I would say is, if you're going to allow these kids to jump in, I'd say do two things, right? Say you can you can declare for the draft, you can hire an agent, you can get anybody to give you advice, and then if you don't get drafted. You can opt to go to the G League, or you can opt to go to college. If you opt to go to college, you have to be two years. Baseball does this, right? You want to go to college and play ball, three years. Absolutely. Plus, that's not even guaranteed that you're going to the pros. Most baseball players spend a couple of years in the farm leagues Mm -hmm. because, I mean... There's certain skills that take so much time to develop in baseball. It's a, it's a very smart thing. Right. So that's what I say. If you want to model it after baseball, I'm all for it. If you want to jump to the pros, jump to the pros, get in the league right away, and knock yourself out. But don't shut it down like how they have it now, where if you hire an agent and you, you go through all these, uh, uh, what's that called? Uh, uh, 
uh, when you get eliminated from being able to do something. Disqualify, yeah, ineligibility, uh, because you hired an agent who's trying to get you a shooting yeah. or whatever the case may be. I think that's ridiculous. Make it so that if they don't get drafted, they or maybe even make it so if they're not a first round pick, second round pick can option back into college or something like that, yeah. right? Make that available, and then they have to serve two years at whatever university. Yeah, it, it serves multiple things, right? One, not only are they having to commit to that that college for two years and, and they're not just going to show up for three months and bounce like some of these other kids are, but it actually might give them a little bit more of a stable first year where they know they have to go to class. They know they have to try for their schoolwork. That second year, right. it's going to give them a much better college experience and maybe it's going to turn them into that two or three year st- star down the road in the NBA. So I say get rid of the stupid age limit. Stop trying to be like the NFL. Let the kids play. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a really small select few, too, if you think about the spectrum of college basketball. A lot of these kids, you know, there are so many of them that college basketball is is so beneficial for not only the development of their game, maybe they don't, they don't, uh, they don't move on to the pros in the future, but they also do graduate, they get their education, and you know become involved. But whether maybe in that sport in the in the mm-hmm. university, they yep. work as as scouts, stay in the basketball programs, and it's just it's healthier for the whole college game. And well, I could I could talk forever on the on the age limit when it comes to college basketball, but I'd rather talk about something else that's important to college basketball, and that's that's Mount Zion. I think that was a shoe exploding. It was. I also think that was a stock kind of crashing down as well. So uh, for those who don't know, Zion Williamson, um, the Mr. Everything college basketball player out of Duke, uh, was having the biggest game of the year so far versus North Carolina. Wait, on a side note, did you hear how much tickets are going for for that game? Mm-mm. $2,500 a ticket for a college basketball game. And how much are the kids getting out of that? Well, the kids get an education out of that. And they get shoes. Should they choose to. And they get nice shoes. Yay, for better or worse. <laughs> so, Zion Williamson, Mr. Everything for College, and the biggest in, on the biggest stage of college basketball until uh, March Madness hits. Minutes into the game, doesn't even cut very hard, makes a, makes a normal basketball move, and his shoe blows out the side like something I would have had in, in the ninth grade <laughs> playing outside on, on the streets. So... Number one, how does this happen? Because he's a big man. These are these are professional uh, grade basketball shoes. Because you know they're not getting the bargain bin Ross shoes for these kids. So how does this happen when he's not even doing anything explosive? And number two, uh, this was a Nike Paul George edition shoe. Does this does this hurt or help or does it make a difference uh, for Nike to ultimately sign Zion? Well, first, it shows me that that shoe apparently had the quality of pro wings back in the day. I don't know if you remember those. <laughs> Whew. But, yeah, it hurts them. You know, it, now there's going to have to be a lot of damage control. You hear, uh, you know, Paul George has been talking with Nike about it because that was his signature shoe, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I, I don't know if you heard, was Nike's most popular basketball shoe right now. It was those Paul George's. Uh, uh, hey. so, so most most popular free shoe given to kids at college. Read in between the lines, cheapest shoe. <laughs> well, yeah, that could definitely be the case. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, with so many new companies that are kind of coming up around the horizon, I never thought that Nike would be challenged by Puma and New Balance, who are getting back into the game. 
but uh, apparently they're starting to come out with some quality stuff and sign in some big names. You know, uh, New Balance has another uh, another athlete besides uh, the Red Mamba and Matt Bonner. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, uh, let me say those Ka- those Kawhi New Balance shoes look ugly, man. They're, they're they remind me of something that that you will see being sold at this discount stores, right? Like. 70% off. Right. Nobody's going to buy these things. I have a feeling, though, the older LeBron gets, the more new balances are probably going to appeal to him. Mm. So maybe he'll I, even jump ship. I, I, think, <laughs> I think in a couple of years he's going to release his own Chef Curry shoes. Those those white, like, uh, old man walkers that Steph oh, Curry man. came out with a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, so I, think, I think Nike actually is going to be able to play this to their advantage. I think that they could come up with a really amazing marketing campaign about... Uh, like just just have him try shoe after shoe in this commercial and just destroy everything until they come up with with an indes- it's the Zion indestructible, and and you just market it like this beast like dunks and lands and that shoe doesn't rip, and then there's like this moment of silence of like amazement like this is the this is the most indestructible amazing shoe they can market the crap out of that, I see him getting more money out of Nike because Nike now knows if they don't sign him this is going to be back in a news cycle in six months right so he he just got 25% more out of his oh, deal yeah. done well, well you know I, I think this might be a good reason to to kind of go back to the way that basketball shoes were made before before you know when we were younger when we were playing <laughs> Converse no no, no not, not that far back we don't go that far back uh, but you know our basketball shoes were made out of leather mm-hmm. and were actually stitched at the sole you know now it's all glue and synthetic fight you know some weird sometimes it's like a you know a stiff canvasy yeah. material or it just feels like it's made out of plastic mm-hmm. and I don't know how we expect those things to actually last and to be That's able true. to withstand Except but they can put them through tests but you yeah know. But, but you also got to remember man I had some Sean Kemp kamikazes I think those things weighed five pounds each so <laughs> well you know I got to say with how much torque I think uh, Zion's going to be putting on those shoes. He's going to need something that's got some weight to him. But don't count out weight, man. I have a pair of LeBron 13s, and those things weigh a ton, so they still make heavy shoes. Yeah, yeah. I think it was reflecting how much weight he had to carry in, in, in that season. Yeah. So speaking of, Le- <laughs> speaking of LeBron James carrying weight, um, you know, we're in the final stretch of the NBA season, and we have the Lakers. They're fighting. I think they just – I think they, they, they had briefly moved into that ninth, speed, ninth seed, and they dropped back down to the 10th seed. Huh. What's going on with the Lakers? What are their chances of making the playoffs? Because right now, for the first time since his rookie season, LeBron's on the outside looking in. Oh, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's in for a rough road. He's playing with a bunch of inexperienced guys that, you know, he said that he's already turned it on. He's got he's got playoff mentality going on, and we know when playoff LeBron is going, it's going to be you know forty point games and triple doubles. But I don't think we're going to be seeing that. I think I think he doesn't have the ability to quite turn it on like he used to, and he doesn't have the supporting cast that'll make it so he doesn't have to night by night deliver you know one hundred and twenty percent just so they can pull out a win. You know they had a hard hard game. Just after coming off of a really good win, they drop a game 115-128 to the Pelicans. The Pelicans, a team who was in utter turmoil, and they can't get it get it, get it together to beat them, and I just... it's uh, It looks like, to me, I think Sacramento is going to be taking that A spot before L.A. can climb up there. Okay. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're a lot to make it, right? But I'm, I'm also... I have... You know me. I, have a, I always have a conspiracy theory, right? So here's what I think. Who, 
who does the playoffs? Um, if you want to win the finals, who do you have to beat? No matter no matter if you're East or West, who do you have to beat if you're going to win the NBA finals? Well, you got to beat Golden State. Golden State, right? Now, if you're LeBron James, you know this. And if you're LeBron James, you've been to the finals 55 straight times. So you can fight hard. You can make it to that. He, he right now, playoff mode activated LeBron James, could make it to the sixth seed, seventh seed maybe. Uh, definitely the eighth seed. But now, with these guys? Yeah, with these guys. Look at the look at the look at the team he had last year. I mean, he can take absolutely nobody if he cares enough. He can take nobody and beat anybody at any given time. And I get like, oh, like you look at the game against the the Rockets. They had a, like a nine percent chance of winning that game midway through the third quarter, and they just decided, okay, well, I don't want to lose this game, so let's go ahead and win it. And then they tank it against the Pelicans. That's an effort thing. LeBron James could beat the Pelicans with you and I as his backcourt. I guarantee you. <laughs> Mainly because, you know, I can d up Drew Holiday pretty good. But uh, <laughs> it, it, if you're LeBron James and you get to the seventh seed, you're playing the Rockets. He knows he can beat the Rockets. Maybe, maybe who's the? Uh, they might be the third seed now. Uh, but anyways, if if you're if you're seventh or sixth, you can beat anybody else. You can he LeBron James could could beat the Trailblazers. I think he could beat the Rockets. He could beat anybody in the East. The only team he can't beat is the Golden State Warriors. So if he already knows he has to face the Warriors in the playoffs no matter what, might as well do it in the first round. You're fresh, you might get more wins. Well, he's gonna have to beat the regular <laughs> season first. I just you know, they have the fourth toughest schedule in the Western Conference right now. They're playing good teams throughout this home stretch. And they can't be dropping these gimme games. They can't. Well, but here you go, though. Proof is in the pudding. Fourth hardest schedule, that means they're going to be playing better teams. They play better versus better teams. They beat the Rockets, they lose to the Pelicans. They beat the Celtics, they lose to the Hawks. Just give them, just give them everybody with a winning record for the rest of the season. He's not going to lose a game. <laughs> Enough said. Look well, at that strategy. That's, that's nice in theory. That's nice in theory. So we have the we have the West pretty much figured out. But the one thing that seems to be up in the air, and maybe because man, the teams making it are terrible. It's the it's the dark horse playoff teams, which mainly is the East. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a there's a few teams that are really really showing some really, really good stuff and turning it on. But, you know, favorites like Philly, you know, where they have injury issues right now. Uh, Embiid is, you can tell, even when he was playing, he was starting to struggle because of these lingering lingering injuries. And, uh, you know, I'm not sold on Milwaukee either. You know, these days it seems to take more than one guy to actually, you know, make that push in the playoffs. Having, you know, you, know, you shut down... Giannis, you don't really have that other star to kind of turn to, so I can't... Well, they have an all-star on that team with him. Chris um, Middleton. Well, I guess he was picked first in the bench. Yeah, see? But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Chris Middleton is today's uh, Mo Williams. That's what that is. <laughs> I do, uh, we can we can call him what he, what he is, but he's a... Uh, He's not a superstar. No, no, he's, uh, he's not even a he's not even a real all star. He he's a hey, thanks for giving me some open shots, Giannis. Uh, I'll carry, uh, I'll carry you water as long as I'm wide open. Right. We and we also have Toronto. Toronto with uh, all their young talent. The young talent, man, is uh, is pretty crazy. But I just don't know if they're still anything but a regular season team yet. So um, so I'm gonna stop you on Toronto. Because I'm with you up to this point. I think the Bucks are kind of fake. I think there's some questions about Philly. But I'm sold on Toronto. Number one, they play a different kind of basketball. When you watch them, uh, not one person has to be on all the time, like a lot of these other superstar-driven teams. They can just overwhelm you by the way they move the ball. Uh-huh. And, and 
being a team that moves the ball so well, I think people are sleeping on the fact that the best passing big man in the league just joined up. I think Marcus Gasol is going to make that team go to the next level. Yeah, you know, he, he does bring a lot of positives to him. I also like the addition of Jeremy Lin coming off the bench, too. But, again, it's just not proven playoff success. And for Toronto fans who have had, you know, just so many heartbreaking seasons, you know, their team finishing one or two in the East and just getting swept out of the playoffs, you know, I can't remember the last time they weren't swept out of the playoffs, it feels like. Yeah, but but that guy's gone. <laughs> that guy's in the West. That guy's with the Lakers now. They have nobody to fear. Superman has left uh, whatever he called Metropolis, right? <laughs> Batman is no longer in Gotham. He's on he's on sabbatical. Let yeah. the villains run. Well, you know, they just it, it's it's still not proven to me. Boston, I feel like, has the best chance though of coming out of the East. They uh they have the deepest bench. You know, Toronto is very, very deep, mm-hmm. but Boston just runs that much deeper. They have really quality backups at every position that could be starters on other teams, and it's pretty impressive. So let me ask you this. What 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 trash talk have you heard come out of Toronto from one of their stars? What, what has Kyle Lowry or uh, Kawhi said about that, about, about their teammates? Well, he, Nothing. Yeah. Well, Nothing. Lowry, Lowry had some issues in the beginning of the season, and we kind of remember that. Well, yeah, but a lot of that was before the t- before the first game, right? That was his buddy was gone, you know. Um, well, no, it, the DeRozan it, the DeRozan trade he was a little sour about. It bled through. He threw up a couple of donuts. Well, I've thrown up a couple of donuts myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Kyrie doesn't want to be in Boston. I personally think he's going to be leaving. He trash talks not one, not two, but every young player on that team. Calls him out. He doesn't call him out by name. He just says, some players, some players. And what he means is Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Rozier, and uh, uh, Marcus Smart. Well, you know, I, 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 I agree with you there. But, see, I have a feeling we haven't had a big Kyrie injury yet this year. So we kind of that know. That's kind of surprising. That, that's probably <laughs> going to be coming. So hopefully. <laughs> Hold on. Are you saying they're going to win because their star is going to get hurt? Well, you know, you never know. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so you're, you're sold on Boston. They're your, your team coming out of the East? They're my team coming out of the East. Okay. All right. I can't hate on that. Everybody got- else is kind of a crapshoot. Really, to be quite honest, five through eight really don't matter okay. that much. I can't name five through eight. I know the Pistons are in with like what's probably going to be like a 35-win season. <laughs> so I really stopped looking. I know Charlotte's in there somewhere. Like these teams that they have no talent. It's just so many teams have purposely tanked that you can make the playoffs with like a 40% winning record. Yeah, well, it used to be that way too. Uh, I remember when I first started watching basketball as a young man, if you were a 500 team, that would barely get you the eighth spot. Then we had a little bit of a shift where uh, we saw in the early 2000s these teams were getting in in the East, some of them winning like 33 games. Yeah. And it was it – was, it's crazy. It didn't take much to make it into the East. But then we had some sort of shift, you know, the last few years. It's – you know, the East has been coming up. It's uh, It's been a lot more competitive. 
But, you know, maybe over the last two seasons, so many stars from the East have made their way over to the West, and it has just made the quality of ball really suffer. It has. And I, I will say it's not necessarily the players' faults, too, because I think there's a lot of teams that purposely go into tanking mode. They strip down of any mediocre talent, any halfway uh, trying player, and they oh, yeah. dump them for, for, hey, I'll give you minutes if you don't try kind of players, right? Yeah. So this... This brings me up to our next topic, right? So we, we're, we're going to have to agree to disagree on the East. I say Toronto is going to be representing. You're going to say Boston. You're going to owe me something on a side bet we'll come up with because there's no way Boston's beating Toronto. Which is weird because <laughs> Kawhi was your guy for so many years. It feels weird. Like, I've defended him in a conversation once. I'm, I'm saying his team's going to go to the finals. Uh, it's just it's, it's, an odd, it's an odd thing. I'm in the same boat every big, big Spurs fan is in as far as our feelings of Kawhi. He's lucky that I mentioned his name. <laughs> <laughs> the player formerly known as Kawhi. Yeah, that's how I refer to the, the uh, Oklahoma City basketball team. So we have a, we have a tanking problem in the NBA. This is, this is no more evident than watching the New York Knicks uh, Trade a dollar for fifteen cents, right? Oh gosh, it's terrible. That was purposely hey. It's terrible. Take, take Tim Hardaway's contract, take Courtney Lee's contract, and we'll give you if he stays yeah. healthy, one of the I'm one of the best up and coming stars. The in the most league. unique player at seven foot three that we have seen What's and I don't know how long. What's his nickname? What the unicorn? There you go. And how many unicorns are there? Well, there aren't any, but, but <laughs> he would be the first. Yeah, and they he, give him up for for Dennis Smith Jr., who doesn't even fit on the on on a on a no on a on a lottery team. You know, it, it, and it's a downgrade too because you get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. and replace him with Dennis Smith Jr. I don't like that move at all. <laughs> Dennis Smith Sr. <laughs> couldn't hold a torch to to Tim Hardaway Sr. <laughs> although he's probably less racist or homophobic or whatever it was. Don't get us kicked off. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not the one uh, who was going around saying horrible things. Uh, that, that was senior. Uh, so anyway, what it does is it, it makes me take a longer look at, at what's happening in the league and saying it's everybody's playing home run ball, right? Like uh, we'll strike out uh-huh. or we'll hit a home run, but we're not going to try to build a team the right way. We're, there's there's very few Portland Blazers out there. No, there's, so many of them are going to suck. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to suck for so yep. long because there's. Like, let's face it, this is a very, very, very top-heavy draft we're coming into. There's a couple of really good players, but it falls off pretty quickly. You know, we got we got four. Four really good quality guys. Two of them out of the same university. Mm-hmm. I, and this race to the bottom, like, these teams, we're going to have four teams that are going to probably benefit. You know, what are the odds all four of them are going to end up being franchise-changing superstars? Not very good odds. So I, I got to say... They're they're making it instead of being solid franchises that would have a chance to make make the playoffs on a regular mm-hmm. basis into just these crap teams that are giving their fans nothing to watch right. and it's terrible. Well, the Knicks are the best example of this. They got rid of all the talent that they have to free up draft space or to fill free up cap space so they can go after a Kyrie and a Durant or a Jimmy Butler and a Durant or Jimmy Butler and Kyrie or whatever two max players. They we think. don't know what they were talking about. <laughs> okay, allegedly, right? We'll go back to allegedly. So they think, hey, we get the number one pick and we can get Zion and we can put Kevin Durant and we can put Kyrie on this team. We're set for the next, you know, five years guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. Ten years probably. So what happens if Kevin Durant resigns with Golden State or goes yeah. to Brooklyn or any of these other teams uh, and Kyrie resigns to Boston yeah. and you and you land that fourth pick? 
Hey, sure, you're walking away with maybe a, a an R.J. Barrett, but there's there's a big difference between John Morant, R.J. Barrett, Zion, and then like a you have these like you have Cam Reddish, you have a, a, a Kevin Porter, I think it's Kevin Porter. See Kevin Porter Jr. Bull Bull. <laughs> you have these players who who are all kind of jockeying bulls out, but whatever. You, like they could be borderline fringe stars. You could walk away with less than you had. Mm-hmm. You, you have all your eggs in one basket. You're either going to be terrible for the next ten years, or you're going to be the, one of the best teams in the league for the next ten years. And I don't think that's a sound strategy. No. What's really tough too is all of these teams, you know, wanting superstars and. You know, a lot of superstars are going to have an issue mm-hmm. with going to a franchise that is willing to just lose and lose and lose right. and make it be okay. And it's it, it's not. You know, I could see these guys wanting to come to a franchise and free agency more. Mm-hmm. Like, if we have, you know, a solid foundation and, hey, now I'm going to be the missing piece that's going to take us over the hump. Not just be a little, a little, little part of this this bigger plan that is hoping for the future where you have no idea if it's going to pay off. Yep. I mean, these guys are just panning for gold, you know? Well, I think a, I think a big problem, uh, we're seeing less and less Damian Lillards and Russell Westbrooks. These yes. people are like, this is my squad. This is my team. Can we take a little, like, I got to say, I loved what Lillard had to say. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, like, we knew, like, when we were, we were watching, like, the Supersonics play, we knew it was going to be Sean Kemp. And Gary Payton. Now, granted, you know Sean Kemp had his issues and then moved on, but it was a long stretch. And you know, when you think about those players, we're not going to think about them hopping teams. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think about Sean Kemp as a Blazer or as a Cavalier. I think about him as a Supersonic. Right. I think about like nobody, nobody cares about Gary Payton's last couple of years in Milwaukee and Miami. They think about him as a Supersonic. Yep. That's what he is. Stockton and Malone. They're lifetime jazz players. Patrick Ewing, really nobody cares about Patrick Ewing on the Raptors. These guys. (laughs) That Sonics jersey made Uh, me puke with uh, Patrick Ewing, man. It was just wrong. uh, Give him orange and blue. I mean, and those aren't those those players' fault. That was the team Mm -hmm. deciding to move on and, you know. In Twilight years, that's going to happen. And it's, you know, it is what it is. But nowadays, it's just there's no loyalty. Those guys are loyal to those teams. Mm -hmm. And now it's just it's it's kind of how do you be a fan of a player? You know what I mean? Right. Because eventually well, that's why people are burning jerseys, man. <laughs> well, I'd say there's what Damian Lillard says. It, it makes makes you feel proud, right? I, I'm a I'm gonna be proud to to support Damian Lillard. Not a big Blazers fan, so I'm not gonna say ah I'm dying the wool for the Blazers now. But I'm a big fan of his. When you oh, talk absolutely. like that, Russell Westbrook, he could have played out the whole free agency drama queen thing, mm-hmm. but he signed on early on for that max deal. Absolutely. And he said, this is my team. I'm going to commit now. Paul George, look, you don't have to even think about it. This and is if, my team. If you want to understand why they're able to get, why uh, Oklahoma City was able to re-sign Paul George when everybody thought he was just going to yep. go to L.A., it was because he was in a situation where there was loyalty. Yep, and Russell Westbrook said, I'm in. Don't even think about it for the rest of the year. And trust me, we're going to go places. And you know what? They're kind of going places this well, year. Paul George, man, he's, you know, he's my candidate right now for MVP. Okay. Hey, I mean, if you're done, I want to kind of talk about MVP. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're saying that's your number one guy? That's like, my number guy. one guy. Okay, I, I want to hear this. I don't, I don't really care about, uh, you know, Milwaukee's record right now. I understand. Giannis is right. He's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to say, he's right there. But just... 
especially when it comes to awards, we always have to think about recency bias. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul George is the guy who's doing it right now in towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, what he, he averaged almost 40 points through January. Okay. That's insanity. Okay. While shooting almost 50% from the three-point line during okay. that stretch. So, so i got to ask you a question then, Paul George fan. I want you to answer me, how many MVPs had somebody else on their team average a triple-double? <laughs> Absolutely none. Right. He's not even the best player on his team. How can he he be the most valuable player in the league? Well, let's 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 take a little bit of a step back here. It's it's not that maybe he's not the best player. They have completely different games. Russell Westbrook, yeah, you know, he he's getting the triple double thing on, but he's having a very very tough season. He is not scoring the ball. He's shooting a very poor percentage for the field from three and two, and he is. Uh, He's making up for it in other parts of his game. He's not you can't you can't replace that kind of a scoring drop unless you have a guy who's there to pick up the slack like Paul George did. Mm-hmm. And not only did he just pick up the slack, man, he picked up the torch and ran with it, man. So I'm going the opposite way. And part of this is maybe maybe you're one of these people, one of those people <laughs> who uh, <laughs> who who say the the MVP shouldn't go to the, the best player should go to the player most important to their individual team. Are the Thunder going to win the NBA Finals? You know, I got to say, if anybody has a chance of knocking off Golden State, you know, it's a team with two superstars who are really, really rolling right now. I, I, don't, give them, I don't give them greater than a 15% chance. I think that's, that's probably optimistic. I see them as no different than any other, any other time Russell Westbrook has to win a tough game. Well, he, he'll fill up the stat sheet, but he's not going to defeat a Goliath. Well, you know, to be quite honest, he's a different kind of a player this year who's, you know, part of Oklahoma City's downfall before was, you know, he would shoot them out at the end of mm-hmm. close games, and it was hard to watch. He doesn't have to carry that load anymore, and he's not the guy who's going to be taking those shots. He, he has shown that, you know, he can adapt. And now... Who knows if maybe these shooting struggles are coming from taking on a, a different role, mm-hmm. not being the number one option anymore, uh, and that being you know significantly you know that's a, it's, it's a big change for a superstar to make uh, to not be the number one option on offense anymore. But uh, well, so I, I'm just gonna put it out there like this, man, because because Giannis, you take him off Milwaukee, they're not the number one seed. I'd say they're down there seventh, eighth, ninth. Right, I think they're a forty percent winning team without Giannis. Uh, without Giannis, they would be a little further down. I don't even think they would be in the playoff picture. I think they're better than than, than the Pistons. I just I don't understand the Pistons at all. So I think I would give them I would give any team credit uh, in the East to to say hey they have a shot at the eighth seed because if they're not the Knicks they do right. <laughs> but but uh, I think that you can you can have the argument that Giannis is the most valuable player because he does so much and he's so important and. You can make the argument that he is better than anyone else in the game right now with, with, with the entire skill set. He guards five, right? One through five. You put him on the point guard, you put him on the center, and he can hold his own. He's yeah, but him. we both know that nobody cares about defense in the MVP race anymore. <laughs> that's, that's fact. But, I mean, he, he's he, the only thing, his only knock is he can't necessarily shoot. But that's not a prerequisite to winning the MVP. I think that right now, him not winning the MVP would be like those years that LeBron James wasn't given the MVP in Cleveland for reasons. Like, the, the, it's, let's give him... 
let's give awards to Steve Nash, right? Like, this is going to be one of those things. <laughs> Easy, if, Shaq. <laughs> if Paul George gets an MVP, it would be no different than a Steve Nash getting an MVP, where they're like, yeah, but the best players we just really didn't want to talk about. Kevin Durant, number one or number two as far as quality. Uh, Steph Curry is up there. They don't get it because it's two superstars on the same team. That's the big knock on them. But if you're going to put Paul George in a conversation with a previous uh, MVP with Russell Westbrook, he should be eliminated as well. You know, you say, well, Durant doesn't get it because of Curry. Curry doesn't get it because of Durant. I think Paul George shouldn't get it because of uh, uh, Russ Westbrook. I think that... Well, they gave it to Durant when he was playing with Westbrook. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, that was a uh, 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 different Russell Westbrook. That was pre-triple-double Russell Westbrook. So my say, my say, give it to Giannis. If you don't give it to Giannis, give it to, to, give it to Durant. Because, I mean, goodness gracious, like, that guy knows how to ball. He also knows how to troll on Twitter, so... <laughs> well, you know, too, if we want to also talk about who's the most important player on their team and bring it to that, I gotta say, I, especially with the Chris Paul injury, nobody's really been more important than James Harden, as much as, you know, little things about his game get under my skin, I mean the Rockets would have completely fallen out of the atmosphere if it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. No, this is true. But the problem with giving it to him is one of last year, right? Yeah, but like you said, Steve Nash won a couple in a row. We can't keep polluting. <laughs> like We can't keep doing this D'Antoni dance. People, like, people, people would be more obliged to give it to Harden two years in a row than they would to Steve Nash two years in a row. Right. The first year he got it undebatable. The second year, well, there's a reason why Shaq is still complaining after this many years. Well, so, speaking of Harden, man, what, what kind of, what kind of world do we live in when James Harden <laughs> is, is, is able to cry foul over his treatment by, uh, by the referees? Yeah, this, this story is great. So, case you guys don't know uh james harden was fined twenty five thousand dollars for smack talking referee scott foster now scott foster is a 20-year uh vet as an nba ref and uh so james harden comes out after the game saying that he doesn't even think that foster should uh ref rockets games anymore he said that it was you know bs and that the reasons why foster refs them the way they do is because of personal feelings you know so what do you think about that <laughs> who, who leads the league in, in free throw attempts? Uh, that might be James Harden. Okay. I, I think at that point, the conversation's over, right? This yeah. isn't LeBron James driving to the hole and getting the crap knocked out of him and going to the line four times. No. This is about somebody who drove to the hole and got a charge, a legitimate charging foul called against them and was just unhappy about mm-hmm. it. Now, I got to say, if you notice, that whole... Now, what do the Rockets like to do? They like to shoot three pointers and make layups. Yeah, yeah. No mid range game. It's 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 three or three or drive. Now, if you could pull up for a twelve foot jump shot, you would not get those charge calls. Yeah. If you would know like what Greg Popovich would consider beautiful basketball as far as, you know, uh, moving the ball for for open shots that aren't necessarily three pointers, but working for what is easier for easy buckets. Uh, you know, it's 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 a shame to see that that part of the game is gone, and mm-hmm. because that part of the game is gone, we got to hear uh, complaints about guys who barrel their way to the hole and are upset because for once the foul was actually on them. Yeah, I don't think I think James Harden has done this multiple times where he complains about things that are way out of line. 
when he makes complaints, he never has a valid complaint. Like, no. Like, are you seriously upset that LeBron James was planted and, and got a charge? Then you know what you do? You go around him or you, you pull up. You don't have to try to run through him. Maybe you need to change that part of your game. Maybe you need to understand, hey, if they're going to keep pushing us off the three-point line and forcing us inside and then mm -hmm. collapsing on us, maybe what we need to do is we need to drive and dish more or we need to develop, like you said, that mid-range jump shot. What we can't do is talk about a fraternity, uh, like the NBA Refs Association, whatever it is, and single one of them out and not expect repercussions. Because oh, i got to yeah. tell you this, if I'm a ref and you're a ref, and, and we're part of this constantly getting crapped on by players in like, mid-game, and you go out to the media and you start complaining, I got your back. How, how do they? How does he expect it to get any better for him? Only because, worse. Because you know, you know when they get into the playoffs, I'm sorry, but they have their long-term referees in the most important games, mm -hmm. and you know they get further into the playoffs, I guarantee you a 20-year vet is going to be one of the referees in your game. 100%. I, I personally think that you have to you have to be high if you're going to be making uh, uh, bones against an NBA referee. <laughs> oh, and on that topic, my gosh. Okay. So it came out in an interview, which is so funny to me, with the all-time winningest, all-time losingest coach, Don Nelson, you know, former Warriors coach, um, uh, that he had picked up a new hobby at 70 years old. <laughs> new? New? <laughs> and, yeah, well, allegedly. <laughs> so he says, a new hobby. And that is, uh, you know, uh, taking a few puffs every now and then. It's for his glaucoma. <laughs> Back pain, maybe? <laughs> I, can, right. I can see that, That's you know? Right. Uh, what's really funny, though, is uh, when I grew up, and kids smoked. I don't know anybody that started smoking when they turned 18. It was always way early on. I have a feeling it's not a whole lot different with this. I never knew anyone growing up who did that. So oh. uh, you grew up, you grew up in a much. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they, they might have the whole town. They might have allegedly did yeah, there this. There you go. Allegedly, I, I can't say with any. Uh, they may or may not. But on have. a side note to that story too, it was really funny because. Uh, uh, Jalen Rose on the Jalen and Jacoby podcast also brought into light that uh, uh, before press conferences, Nelly was down in four or five beers before getting on the podium. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> I always pictured, you know, Nick Nolte and Blue Chips? <laughs> I always pictured that being Don Nelson. Like, like that. What like, a role that would be for him. That's perfect. I think I think that's who that was modeled after. So Don Nelson, I I think he's he's the he's the godfather of of today's NBA. Oh, I love right? Nelly. I love so, Nelly. So let's like let 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 me take you through uh, why I think Don Nelson was partaking in in uh, marijuana uh, cigarettes <laughs> far before <laughs> he, he turned seventy. He started Chris Mullen at center. With Patrick Ewing and David Robinson and Akeem Olajuwon and Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> were in the league. He said, hey, Chris, 6'7", 215, I got an idea. We're going to do this thing called this. positionless basketball. I'm going to put you in the middle. And it's like all those movies where the skinny little white kid has to go do something with this big, huge guy right next to him. That's what it looked like with, with Chris Mullen trying to D up. A Patrick Ewing. Uh, Don Nelson, you days. had to be high to think that was going to work in the 90s. I call BS. Mm, allegedly high. Alle <laughs> I'm going to say it. Statue of limitations. Uh, so, so speaking of things that you do when you're out of your mind, 
we talked about this last week. We're gonna we're gonna revisit it because a lot has come out since then. Uh, and, and oh, and, here we go. Yeah. So uh, we talked about, uh, and everybody's talking about it now. Uh, Empire star Jesse Smollett and his fiasco with um, with hate crimes. So I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you give us an update and and, and tell me what you're mad. Oh man! So this last week, even more came out when they. Uh, when the Chicago police were interviewing the brothers uh, who were hired by Smollett, which uh, I'm sorry, but they were hired and paid off with a $3,500 check. A check. I, I, you know, you know has he, this guy not heard about paper trails? I gotta I, tell you, it, he, he, he probably should have consulted with Cookie from the show <laughs> on, on how, to get, how to get the dirt done, man. Oh, man. So, so pays off the brothers. Now, uh, I guess pre pre attack, there was a ransom note that was a ransom style note, like uh, you'd see in movies where the words are cut out from magazines, sent to Fox Studios. That wasn't taken very seriously, so apparently Smollett upped his game, and that's how this uh, that's how the incident happened. Now apparently, it's now come out this week that it was Smollett who was responsible for that uh, letter, and that didn't take off the way he wanted, so now he got caught with this this whole scam and, you know, has been indicted, or not indicted, he's actually been charged with a felony for the false police report and is still claiming his innocence and I gotta say he can't he just can't continue with this, you know. People, we, with how much respect he's already lost, gain a little bit back by telling the truth. You know what I mean? And then the what's come out is he was unhappy with his one hundred thousand dollars an episode salary. Now that's a hundred thousand dollars a week for the show that is that is shot and on with twenty two to twenty four episodes uh, a season. That's over two million dollars. That's that's his salary per year, and it's really hard to want to have any sort of sympathy for that. So I'll just say it like this: um, I mean, I, we're not living in necessarily the the most peaceful times. No, everybody has to take a hard line approach to things, right? Mm-hmm. So I was having a conversation with a, with a friend of mine about this topic, and I said one of the things that really upsets me is this now becomes a rallying cry. Right? It's terrible. It's, it becomes a rallying cry for anybody that may um, bring to light any kind of uh, uh, racist or, or homophobic Just social attacks. injustices. Like right. That, you know? uh, now we're going to give the opportunity, not even opportunity, We're gonna, now we're going to give uh, somebody a chance to say, well, if if Jesse Smollett's doing these kind of things for money, then why should I believe Timmy or Tommy or whoever else? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but the first time that happens, that's on him. And oh. the second time, and the third time, he he doesn't have to own up for filing a false police report and the felonies associated with that. What he really needs to own up for is any time that's going to be used because you, you can't do that when you're when you're in the limelight, when you're when you're a star or a celebrity, and you make a decision like this. You're gonna have to know that unless the only saving grace is if he would have came out and said, "Yeah, my bad. I probably shouldn't have done that. It got carried away. I got I got too emotional." And 
Yeah, that's definitely not the right thing to do. But he's sticking to his lie, man. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, he's sticking he, to it. That that is that is so hard to swallow. And what's really, really, really difficult, it, like you said, is putting such of a less light on real incidents mm-hmm. that might happen. Mm-hmm. And I heard this, it was compared to uh, uh, numbers for, say, like rape reports. And the I believe it was 5% of all reported rapes are uh, false reports. And then it was corrected on this, uh, I forget which talk show it was, but it was corrected in saying it was no, it was could be lower because it was anywhere from 2 to 8%. Now let's take that as 100 reports are filed, okay? That means anywhere from, you know, up to 8 lives are completely ruined and devastated because of this accusation. And I gotta tell you, even if somebody is cleared, those sort of accusations and stigma stay with you. Mm-hmm. And eight, even, you know, out of a hundred, eight is too many lies to be ruined because of a lie. I'm with you. I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a bad situation. I, I just, not, honestly, I hope it cycles out and I hope this guy goes and gets whatever help he needs to get so that he learns from this and doesn't just yeah, and there's you know there's something that's yep. that just he needs help because how Have easy how easy things, how easy it was for him to lie, and you know mm-hmm. how convincing he was to, to so many TV people do it to go on TV and do it man yeah. to go on TV and lie, to sit there and and like oh ah oh, and it wince and you oh, know the pain even, of it even, all even his words what kind of person would do this yeah what kind yeah. of person could make this up. Well, so, you know, now I'm, we know. I'm going to put it out there. I know he doesn't listen. No, nobody's even going to be able to listen and tell him this message. But, but Jesse, if you ever need help negotiating your contract, I'm here for you. I, I could, without creating uh, felonies and bad press for you, negotiate your contract. I don't think you needed to do this. As a matter of fact, I think there are people better than me at negotiating contracts in this world that you could have paid that would have been a lot better. And who knows? Maybe it would have been less than $3,500. You know what? I probably would have charged more. So, uh, speaking of stupid stuff that you can do. (laughs) Stuff? Stuff. Stuff. I, you know, sometimes I speak with a... We have... We have to revisit this, this Anthony Davis thing. Right? So, Anthony Davis... I mean, everybody knows that Anthony Davis wants out... Of, uh, of Pelican land doesn't want to be in New Orleans says trade me here's a list of fake teams plus the Lakers <laughs> that I want to be traded to the list the list was 29 teams in the league right but I'm not going to resign with those teams but I will resign with these four teams that either don't have cap room or talent to trade to get me basically trying to get his way to LA the, the Pelicans push back really hard and then they give LA a ride right like um the, the stories kept going public, and then they kept playing games, oh, and it yeah. was like, oh, give us all of your talent plus all of your draft picks that you're legally allowed to give us, and then we'll talk. And then they'd push back and push back, uh, and then it came out that they weren't even negotiating in, in good faith, right? So I know you're a Spurs fan. I know that you know that Dell Demps used to work for your man Greg Popovich in mm-hmm. San Antonio, and that's, that's the first call he got when this whole thing broke. And one of the things Popovich coached him on is don't do a deal with the Lakers, right? Because Popovich has this hatred of, of L.A. for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Dale Demps got fired over this. They, they didn't come out and say he got fired specifically over this, but he got canned over this. Oh yeah. The man they put in charge, Danny Ferry. Now, I want to. I want to. I want to ask you two different questions. Number one, did Dell Demps do this to himself, or do you think that he's a victim of the circumstance that was created by Anthony Davis 
Do you think had he pulled the trigger on that trade or not not made it a big public spectacle, he'd still have his job? And number two, what in the world are they doing hiring Danny Ferry? Because I thought he was still like plutonium. You can't touch him because of his <laughs> fake racist statements that he made. Uh, well, you know, I got to say, those... I also believe in a statute of limitations, and also I also believe in somebody who apologizes, which he did mm-hmm. when those first came out. Mm-hmm. And has there been any sort of uh, flare-ups of that again? Have we heard anything about it? No, I don't think we can condemn somebody forever. I, I, I do want to add to that. So people who don't know, in 2014, Danny Ferry was reading a scouting report. In that scouting report was a was a, a very racist statement about an overseas player um, that I, I certainly won't repeat, but the Googles has it on there if you do care. Um, he was reading it verbatim. He didn't yeah. he didn't write I, it. it wasn't, he was reading he it verbatim. Yeah, he didn't write this report. So to anybody who's ever watched Anchorman, it's much like the scene <laughs> <laughs> where he's reading off the teleprompter and Ron Ron Burgundy just says a bunch of ridiculous things because it was written in front of him. Same, basically replace Ron Burgundy with Danny Ferry, and that's what happened. Yeah, it's kind of like people singing along at a hip hop concert. But hey, <laughs> I know how to change the I know how to change the lyrics. I Joe Dirt those lyrics, man. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, uh, you know, I I, I think I think he, I think it was uh, you know the writing was on the wall doing this to you know publicly, and it became. Too big of a spectacle to not be dealt with. It it was just re- ridiculous, the requests that were being asked. And to be quite honest, it was just a big waste of everybody's time, mm-hmm. of, of money, of, you know, it, and a change needed to be made. Yep. And, uh, you know, to be quite honest, I am a Spurs man, so I have liked Danny Ferry for a while. So. Okay, okay, fair enough. So do you think Danny Ferry pulls a deal, uh, pull, pulls off the deal come July with the Lakers, or do you think he's going to try to try to finagle? Even though I know for a fact what's going to happen is July 1, Kyrie's leaving Boston. I don't know this for a fact, but it's, it's a made-up fact. It's an alternative fact. He's going to go sign. <laughs> we can see the future. He, he's going to go sign with another team, giving more uh, credence to the, the fact that Anthony Davis was basically told on a back. This is what I think what happens. I don't want to go to Boston because I already know Kyrie's gone. He told me, "Hey, you don't want to hear, but you don't want to, you don't want to be here, brother, because I'm out of here come July, and you're going to be stuck here with a bunch of kids who don't know how to play basketball. You don't want to be here." He gets this phone call and he says, "I don't, I'm not, I'm not talking about Boston." So does Danny Ferry still try to make that deal happen with Danny Ainge, or do you think he ships him over to Magic's land? Oh boy, you know, I have a feeling that it's not going to be L.A. Really? I, I think, you know, I, th- I think they might end up doing a bit of a DeMar kind of a deal to where I'm going to get the best deal anywhere. They have legitimately no concern for Anthony Davis's future in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I don't think they care where they ship him off to. They need to, and smartly, care about what they're going to get back for him. So now that he's saying all 29 teams are, you know, on the table... You know, let's see who you can get. And to be quite honest, uh, a lot of teams are hopeful because of the way things turned out with Paul George. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling, should Kawhi decide to stay in Toronto, they would even have more of a chance on shipping him to basically any other team because it'll show that, you know, a team can talk somebody into staying especially if they have you know the kind of mindset and and loyalty that I know that Anthony Davis is looking for see Anthony Davis's problem was that team was not loyal to him as far as keeping a good circle of mm-hmm. players around yeah, we t- him. Yeah, we talked about that. Letting, you know? letting Cousins 
Even though I get it because it's blue out as AC or blue out as Achilles. And, and so I think anybody that can give him on loyalty and actually a dedicated a dedicated uh, goal of winning, I think I think they would have the best chance. And also a team that is not willing to just tank. Nobody, I mean, I, I can't see superstars really, really loving that idea. Yeah, I, I really feel like no team is going to be able to make an offer or be interested in chasing him outside of Boston without a guarantee. And and if Boston loses Kyrie, they can't get rid of Rozier, which is what they would have packaged in this deal uh, before the trade deadline. Uh, so so they have to keep Rozier if, if Kyrie walks, which means that they also have a, um, kind of a burden of responsibility to keep Marcus Smart. They're going to have to try to package Gordon Hayward's contract, which has a one plus one on it at that point. So they'd have he, they'd have to eat one year of uh, one year extra of Gordon Hayward's uh, contract, and then some collection of the draft picks and either Jason Tatum, which at that point I don't know if they'd feel comfortable moving Jason Tatum, and then Jalen Brown. So at that point, let's say you get two draft picks, you get Jalen Brown and one other piece. Do you take that deal over Lonzo, uh, Brandon Ingram, and? Whatever. Well, I do on the the simple reason that you know a couple like last year, those boys proved that they could actually squeeze out playoff victories on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a it's a good core, and they proved it as you know first and second year players that hey look we you know we can actually win we can win in the postseason and they're gonna want you know that kind of quality. I yeah, but I, I feel I feel like the people who did that though. That was Tatum and that was Rozier. And if you can't get both of them in the deal, and you're getting Jalen Brown, who's just a, I think he's a serviceable guy for the next 10 years. Yeah, but he's not. Jalen Brown was big in the playoffs, too. Yeah, I just, I just don't see him being, I don't see him being as big as a. a no, he's a, not going to be a, as big as Tatum. Yeah, I don't think he's the trade chip to get Anthony Davis. I really think, honestly, I think the Lakers pull their offer back. I, I still think you can get the draft picks. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're getting Kuzma. I think you're getting Lonzo uh, Ball, Brandon Ingram, and something, but not Kuzma. And then draft picks, and I think that if Kyrie walks, the I think I think what happened is that Dell Demps blew the best opportunity for the Pelicans to rebuild mm-hmm. by not by not taking all five of those players. Yeah, no, no, he was offered literally the most insane deal, mm-hmm. and I I was I was literally shocked that, yep. that it didn't come through. I was too because I mean, I mean Anthony Davis is great, but mm-hmm. real is real. Is he, was he, you know, 25? Yeah, he'll be 26. No, I mean, he's also he's like a 25-point-a-game score. Oh. He's not this, like, you know, end-all, like, like he, he's, it's not like getting yeah. a Durant or a LeBron. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And he's, more, more he's a superstar, though, but he's not uh, the the yep. top superstar. So, so he's, he's turning 26. He has a history of injuries and is a big a man. A long history. So what do you think you get out of somebody with a long history of injuries, a slight build, playing a playing a – the power forward center position yeah. at 26 years old. You got four years. I think he's got four years. Mm-hmm. So you're going to trade. What I mean, what are you going to give up for for four years of Anthony Davis? That is the question. Three years if if uh, um, if he breaks down earlier, which I think is a, is a good possibility. Well, I can tell you that they are not going to make a deal with Boston without having Tatum in that deal. And I don't think it's Boston not... can lose Tatum if they lose Kyrie. Yeah, so. you know, it's tough. And I don't think that they're going to make a deal with L.A. unless they get Kuzma. Uh, I still think you can get Hart, Ball, and Ingram, and Picks, and that's it's, enough. It's, it's, it's not. It's yeah. not. Well, we're, uh, we're approaching the hour mark, so I mean, I think we could probably go for hours, but this might be a really good time to wrap up and start game planning next week. Uh, Jason, 
As always, a pleasure. Absolutely, man. All right, everybody. Have a great week. See you.